0: introverted noise. Hurry up, daddy. All right. Welcome back to the one-a-day draft series. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And uh, I'm here with the man, and we're going to talk about his position. QB1. How you doing? How you been? It's
1: always good when I could talk about quarterbacks, man. This is the one position in sports that everybody knows about. And it's the most important position in sports. We're just different types of people.
0: That is true. That is true. Quarterbacks are different types of people. So glad we have a quarterback here to talk to us about the quarterbacks. And uh, I guess this is a, this is an interesting class because it looks now like the consensus quarterback is someone who doesn't really fit the mold of what we typically hear teams say that they want in a quarterback and uh this class doesn't really seem to have i guess maybe some of the sizzle or top end talent of classes of the past or maybe classes that are being projected for the future but before we jump into all of that um quarterbacks a position that feels like a lot of people uh think they know very well um many people will go and try to analyze the position fully from an analytics standpoint um you Obviously, there's a ton of people looking at it from a tape perspective. And um, you hear a lot of buzzwords thrown around in terms of traits that are important from a quarterback. But you play the position. You played at a higher level than most of the people that I I read on Twitter kind of talking about things. So for you, what are you looking at when you are evaluating these quarterbacks? And then another thing I wanted to get your opinion on is what is the appropriate way to – Judge a quarterback based on the surroundings that they're dealing with. So, like, if a quarterback had a lot of talent around them, not a lot of talent, how do you kind of bring that information into your evaluation?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it's the one position that everybody has different opinions and so many variances on. And I kind of see it through a different lens in that I have a lot of things that I actually look at. And there's so many things that I could go on and on about, but I'll keep it simple. Uh, the first thing I look at is how football smart they are. And you can see that really quickly with how they're deciphering coverages. Is their scheme designed to cut half of the field off for of them? Or are they making full field reads? Now, either one doesn't really matter to me just because college offenses are really designed to cut half the field off just because they're so quick fire. And you're rarely ever going to get those guys that make full field reads just because that's not required of them in the college games and that's why some guys really struggle to transition to doing it on the next level and the NFL is really starting to transition to more of a college style approach and that they're not having these guys go through four or five options but when they get to that first or second guy they're just relegating to their check down which I think is really smart especially with the state of the offensive line throughout the NFL there just isn't a lot of talent or as much defensive talent to match that offensive talent so uh, footwork is another thing that I'm big on. You have to have really good feet in order to play quarterback, just because I like to start from the bottom up and in order, cause every passing design for every passing concept is designed to be rhythmic. And what I mean by that is every drop is designed to go with a certain concept. And if a guy is late, it could end up being a pick six or if they're too early, it could be a situation where the wide receiver just doesn't have their head turned around. So how are they, how are their feet and their eyes syncing up with the targets that they're throwing to, and then the most important trait of all, I think, is accuracy. Are these guys able to layer the ball into certain areas? Do they have proper ball speeds, or is everything a fastball? And there's been guys that came out last year. Josh Allen is a great example of that. Of He just didn't have a great awareness of ball speed. Everything was a million miles an hour with him. So he needed to work on this touch, and he's done a better job of that uh, during his rookie year. But that's just some things that I look at, and there's a million other things that you can look at. Uh, football IQ. Uh, footwork and just smarts overall are basic the basic things that I look at and also accuracy
0: so for someone just kind of coming in like when you when you talk about feet for a quarterback what does that actually mean like when you say you're looking at their feet and kind of building from the ground up what are you actually hoping to see from a quarterback in terms of the mechanics of of how their lower and upper body work together to, that makes you either think someone's going to do well or maybe not project as well to the next level
1: well, there's a lot of different variances of it, and what I mean by feet is how are their feet syncing up to the certain concepts that they're running uh, or that they're, they're, that they're performing. So, at the top of their drops, is the ball coming out, or are they hanging onto the ball too long? Just certain stuff like that, and also, how calm are their feet when they're facing pressure? Do they have what I like to call machine gun feet where they're just firing, or happy feet, that's a better term for it, or their feet are just going rapid at a rapid pace, or are they moving repeatedly, Or do they have quiet feet to where they're just under control and they remain poised no matter the chaos going on around them? Are they able to climb up into the eye of the storm, into the middle of pressure and be able to stare down the barrel of the gun and be able to deliver no matter their surroundings or how muddy the pocket may be?
0: Okay, yeah, we we do like that. you got to be able to climb the pocket, you know, brand, all that good stuff. Well, let's get to it. (laughs) Like you said, there's a lot of different opinions about who should be taken where in this draft class, draft grades, very, very widely from uh, from analyst to analyst. So on day one, who are the quarterbacks that you like?
1: So it's only two guys that I really like on day one. And just starting at the top, that's Kyler Murray. I'm a big fan of Kyler Murray. He probably would have been a top three quarterback for me last year. And I say that because. Every single young quarterback that you think has entered the league lately—they've all had one thing in common. Whether that's Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, uh, Baker Mayfield, and even Lamar Jackson, to an extent, they've all been able to create off script. And you have to be able to manipulate and maneuver not only within the pocket, but you have to be able to extend plays outside of it as well. And once again, that goes back to my point that I alluded to earlier: the state of offensive line play, the state of offensive line play throughout the league is just not great. Right now, and you're seeing all of these uberly talented defensive linemen just being unmatched with the offensive line talent throughout the league. So as a result of that, you have to have these quarterbacks that are able to maneuver within and outside of the pocket. And that's what Kyler Murray is able to do. He's able to take off and run when necessary. But he also does a good job of protecting himself by sliding. He doesn't take any unnecessary hits. But from a throwing standpoint, he's able to layer the ball at all three levels of the field. Uh, What I love most about Kyler Murray is that he has what I like to call the Drew Brees effect, and I'm not saying he's going to end up being that type of guy or that type of end product like Drew Brees is, but he's able to throw to targets as opposed to actual guys in place, and he can throw to a disappearing target without being able to see it. And he creates throwing windows and throwing lanes, and he steps up into the pocket. He knows exactly where guys are going to be. He's able to anticipate where they're going to be and not throwing to where they are when he first sees them. So that's something that you notice that he does within the Oklahoma offense. So Kyler Murray, I'm a huge fan of him. And if I was the Cardinals, I would have no problems with taking him at the top just because of the previous relationship that he does have with Cliff Kingsbury. And I think he's a better fit in his offense than Josh Rosen, even though Josh Rosen was my QB1 last year. And I'm still a big fan of him, but he just isn't a great fit in that offense just because he's a near-statue. In the pocket. Uh, the next guy is Dwayne Haskins, that I'm comfortable with. And he reminds me a lot of Teddy coming out. Now, he's a bit bigger than Teddy. He's about 6'3, 230 pounds. And his body frame is much larger and much more filled out than Teddy. But what I mean by that is he has a real magnetic personality on and off of the field. You talk about a guy that has a lot of character, a team captain, even though he was only a one year starter. So he has the respect in the locker room. He wanted to be a Buckeyes player since 2008. So, you know, he's going to take tremendous, tremendous pride and joy in holding that spot. But he does struggle. He struggles with his deep accuracy. That's the area where he struggles with the most. But he's a surgeon in the short to intermediate areas. But the biggest worry about his game is he's not able to create outside of the pocket. And when things break down, he does panic a bit. And he just doesn't have the athleticism to outrun or elude some of that pressure that happens within the pocket. So, that's your biggest worry about him going forward.
0: So with a guy like Dwayne Haskins, and I guess he's a, he's a perfect uh, example of, of one of the things that I, I'm, I'm interested in how you break down where Dwayne Haskins is, was surrounded by a ton of NFL talent in terms of the players that were, that he was throwing to, how do you evaluate? Yeah. Pr- the production of a quarterback, like a Dwayne Haskins, when so many of the players that he's throwing to, uh, have an athletic advantage over the players that they're going against.
1: I think that's the area where you have to really separate the pre-snap reads to post-snap reads. And what I mean by that is how is he delivering the ball prior to the catch point? Because I think yards after the catch, I think that's something that you have to take out of the equation because he had all these all these explosive guys like a Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin and even a J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber in the backfield. So some of these guys that he was throwing to, I think some of his numbers may be inflated to an extent. Just because he was throwing all of these short to intermediate area throws, but these guys were getting so many yards after the catch. But even so, he was able to accurately throw the ball to get these guys in position to get that yak yardage that I like to call it. So I think he'll be just fine in that area, even though he was surrounded by really good talent. He still was delivering the ball to them in a timely and accurate manner.
0: Okay. All right. All right. So you already said Kyler, you know, Cliff, match made in heaven. Uh Dwayne Haskins, where do you think would be the uh, the best place for him to go based on what you know about the uh the schemes, et cetera, that would help him maximize his skill set?
1: I love his field with the Giants. And I say that because Pat Shermer is a guy that really likes to run what's called the mesh concept. And that's exactly what they ran at Ohio State. And all the mesh concept is is you have a bunch of shallow crossers crossing across each other. Now, whether that's two guys or three guys, it can be to an extent whether that's attacking short or intermediate, you're really not going to have any deep mesh concepts just because it attacks the underneath areas. But it is full defensive scheme proof, meaning that you can run it against man coverage or you can run it against zone. And what you see with Dwayne Haskins is that he's throwing all—he's throwing a ton of shallow crossers. And all of this is this mesh concept where he's getting the ball in these guys' hands quick and I know the Giants don't have Odell Beckham Jr. anymore, which I really hate just because I think him and Haskins would have been a match made in heaven But they still have Sterling Shepard and they have Evan Ingram and also now Golden Tate. So these guys that really dominate in the underneath areas and then you have to factor in Saquon Barkley too. So once again, he's going to be surrounded by all of these weapons and he's walking into a good situation of a lot of guys that dominate in these under 15 yard areas. So I think with him translating to that system, I think it would be a perfect fit. And then they already have some good weapons in place. And then they've continued to build up that offensive line. So he's going to need a lot of help. That's with Dwayne Haskins. He's not a guy that's going to be able to uplift his supporting cast. But with the Giants, they have plenty of weapons that can help him combat that.
0: Okay. All right. Two uh two players in the uh, in in the first round that uh really couldn't be more different than one another, which is uh, what makes this class so much fun. What about day two? Who are you liking?
1: Uh, Drew Locke, and I think he's a bit of a project, and a lot of people have compared him to Matthew Stafford, and I think that's pretty spot on for the most part. And I'm not saying once again that he's going to end up being like Stafford, and he's going to be as good of a quarterback as Stafford is now, but I think they have a lot of similar qualities, and that they are a bit raw, and that their footwork needs a lot of help or a lot of improvement and his ball placement has some issues to an extent and his decision-making got better just because his freshman year, I believe he was around a 49% completion percentage guy. And then last year he finally got it over that 60% threshold, but his footwork is really a mess right now. And he relies on his arm strength a bit too much just because his footwork is so poor. So he's going to have to tone down his decision-making and that gunslinger mentality a bit but he has enough athleticism to create outside of the pocket. And I think he's a bit more athletic than what Stafford was coming out pre-draft. But as far as an arm strength standpoint, I think they're very similar.
0: All right. And uh Drew Lock, uh, no, day two. He's been widely rumored to be someone who might go in in round one. Who else do uh do you like on, on on day two?
1: Daniel Jones. I think he's a guy that probably could sneak into the top twelve. And I know he's got a lot of steam to the Giants at six. We could see him go eleven to the Bengals or even 13 to the Dolphins and 15 to the Risky. And so there's going to be some fans of Daniel Jones in the league. And I know social media isn't high on Daniel Jones, but I think a lot of NFL executives will be high on Daniel Jones just because he has the background and he has the acumen that they're looking for. Now he doesn't possess the arm strength, the ideal arm strength that you're looking for. And he really struggles to throw the ball deep, even though he had some really good throws last year. But the biggest thing that really worries me about Daniel Jones is that whenever the pocket breaks down and it starts to erode a bit, that's really where his feet really really start to become happy. And he kind of panics a bit. So that really does worry me about Daniel Jones. But he's another guy that's going to need a lot of help and to be surrounded by a lot of weapons in order to succeed.
0: Oh, would you say the the Bengals? I mean, I almost feel like what's the point of going from Andy Dalton to get Daniel Jones? But that's that's, that's
1: probably that's for
0: that's for another podcast, at another time. At another time. Uh, I guess anyone else on day two that you're really loving there?
1: No, not on day two.
0: Oh boy! Wow. Okay, some names uh, that I that, that I that I think I'm uh, I was expecting to
1: hear. So let's let's well, roll Will, along. I and... forgot about Will Greer. I'll okay, take then. Will Greer. Okay, Will Greer I'll, in the third round, I'll, and okay. I think he has a little Case Keenum. To him. That's been a common comparison. Once again, I think that's spot on just because they're going to be some no, no, no. Yes. Types of throws. <laughs> That's the best way I like to put it. And that's why I say he has the case kingdom effect to him. He's a really good deep thrower. Uh, he struggles with his ball placement and his accuracy from time to time. And he's going to have some. He's gonna have some idiotic plays, but he's gonna have some plays where that are just thrilling. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has been another comparison for him. And I think he has a little bit of that oh in my. him. And he could have a not saying that he's gonna end up with that type of career trajectory, just that he's gonna have the thrill in some games of that where he gets absolutely hot and he can just go on a tear, but he's gonna have some cold streaks in games too.
0: All right, that makes sense. That makes sense. So bring us home. Who are the uh the late round guys that you uh think maybe have a chance in the right situation to be able to come in and make a little bit of noise or, you know, I guess maybe even kind of slide into that, uh, you know, just career backup type of type of role.
1: There's a few uh, Tyree Jackson from Buffalo is a guy that a lot of people have labeled as a long term developmental type of project. And I got a chance to see him down at the senior bowl and it was really cool to see him get better in those three practices down there. And I think that left a lot of teams intrigued just because that really was his first exposure to NFL coaching. And he really got better as the week went along. But once again, he's another guy that really struggles with his accuracy. And I don't think he's ever going to be a 60 percent completion percentage type of guy throughout his career. Maybe he does reach it one to two years out of his career. But consistently, I just don't think he'll ever be able to do that. So I think fit and landing spot is going to be huge for him. But if he's able to go to a team that can really sit and stash him for maybe two to three years, I think maybe he could end up being a starter, but I just wouldn't bank on it. And he's a guy I don't think there's going to be any in between. Either he's going to end up being like a Cam Newton light or he's going to end up being Logan Thomas. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's going to be any in between with them. Another guy or a couple of few guys that I like that I'll go through quickly is Ryan Finley from NC State. I think he he's a guy that could be a high-end career backup, very smart, uh, doesn't possess an overly strong arm, but very high IQ, a Struggles throwing thrown to the field. But if you keep him in a quick-fire offense, West Coast type of style where he can get the ball out quick, I think he could succeed. Uh, Gardner Minshew is another guy that I'm actually a big fan of. I love his story. Uh, he wasn't even supposed to be playing as a starter last year at Washington State. He was going to go to Alabama to back up Jalen Hurts and to attack about by but Mike Leach called him up and asked him if he wanted to be a starter last year, and he ended up breaking a lot of records there. Very smart. Uh, another guy that doesn't have a lot of arm strength, but he gets the ball out really quick, and he can create off script to survive. But another guy that I really do like, and he's probably my favorite day three guy, and his name is Brett Rippon from Boise State. Another guy that has really good accuracy, really struggles to maneuver around the pocket a bit, but he reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins. Coming out, and I say that because he isn't great versus pressure, but he's known for his spot, he's known for his smarts and his high football IQ, has really good DNA. But his uncle was actually a former Super Bowl MVP with the Washington Redskins. Okay, yeah, I was about to ask you. Yeah, that. yeah, that's his uncle, Mark Rippin. So he has the DNA and the genes that you're looking for, and I think he carried over. He's a four year starter, as I talked about a couple seconds ago. He's very smart, and he's not an overly big guy, uh, which Kirk Cousins isn't either, but once again facing the pressure that really worries you about him but he's another guy that has to have a lot of weapons and a really near perfect environment in order to succeed but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up similar to kirk cousins being a fourth round pick that does turn that turn out to be a middle or low end starter throughout his career
0: okay i like that and then i I know we've we've danced around we've talked about a little bit but uh if you were the Vikings, would you be uh, interested in taking any of these guys, maybe uh, any of the day two or three guys, to, uh, to to pull them into your draft as part of your strategy this year?
1: Yeah, I would, but I probably wouldn't be comfortable doing it prior to the fourth round. I think the fourth round is a definite target area where they could take a guy this year.
0: Okay, so Brett Rippon is a guy that you'd kind of have eyes on if you were in that Vikings war room? Oh, yeah, without question. Okay, awesome, awesome. Anyone else, or does that bring us home for the, the, the quarterbacks that you like in this class? That's it for the most part. Okay, so uh, looking like a lot of quarterbacks are going to get overdrafted, uh, <laughs> as, as always, is, as is often and always <laughs> the, uh, the the case and custom in the NFL. But uh, JR, thank you so much for coming on, as always, giving us the goods on uh, the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, if you haven't already, make sure you go and cop that draft guide. It is good stuff. Great contact. Great price and uh you're helping a great cause so that's it that's all we will be back with another one of these on monday climbing the pocket podcast will drop a little bit later on today so yeah enjoy your weekend happy easter everyone and now yeah we'll talk to you guys soon have a good one